0: Discussing theological truths for biblical living, reviewing featured coffee roast and premium brewing techniques. This is the Caffeinated Theology Podcast, bringing you biblical truths over a fine cup of coffee.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Caffeinated Theology. This is episode number seven, season two. Uh, We just finished uh, the work of Christ, uh, at least a portion of it, anyway. And uh, the segment for today, we're actually going to start just a maybe a I don't know what you would call it a break and focus on world religions. Since we are talking about the atonement and the proper place of atonement, I think it would be helpful. Uh, to kind of examine uh, what other world religions say about let's say some sort of atonement or how you know how to um, be righteous or how to be a holy person, so we're gonna spend a little time looking at world religions for maybe next uh, couple of episodes and And we're going to, you know, ask some questions as to what they believe. It's not going to be an intensive
0: study by no means. Uh, But, again, it would be a thumbnail sketch. Yeah, I think we'll try to also link um, maybe some resources for further study on on some of these. I know um, some of the ones we're going to talk about today, uh, the uh, International Mission Board and North American Mission Board has put out some um, pretty good uh, resources on how to understand mm-hmm. um, with the purpose of uh, really reaching um, people in, in these different belief systems. Right. Um, the videos that I know about, they're a little bit uh, dated, but they are still uh, yeah. are, are relevant and useful. And one good mm-hmm. thing about older videos is you can find most of them for free on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll link that stuff as we uh, um, get to it right. and and really kind of the purpose of studying world religions is um, really what the end game of that if you will is to be able to share Christ mm-hmm. um, with with those who believe uh, different um, things uh, different heresies or falsehoods and um, really to be able to do that effectively you have to kind of know where they're coming from so uh, know know mm-hmm. what brought about their uh, belief system mm-hmm. and uh, okay. and really how to to use the Bible to, uh, uh I, I hate to say tear down, but sometimes that's just what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, tear down, tear what, down to build up, you know, what they yeah. believe to, to reveal mm-hmm. the truth of, yeah. of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, you know,
1: we're going to, we're going to obviously be looking at some scripture as to how we define religions, because there are two different ways to define religions and and how to define cults. So not only is this going to be a little little sidetrack on world religions, but also cults as well, which the first one today we'll be talking about will be uh, a cult. So world religions and cults will kind of be what we're talking about uh, today. But the Bible describes religion a little different than the world describes it, and also describes cults uh, in a different way as we would as well, so let's uh, let's think for a moment. What are some of the religions that, uh, right off the top of our head, what what might be some religions that that we certainly
0: need to uh, discuss? Well, I think probably the most prevalent, um, you know, in the world would be Islam and uh, maybe Hinduism, Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Um, religions such as that. What else do yeah. you? What, do you um, have? What Those are kind
1: of the big three. Judaism, of course, there's an obvious link there. Uh, Hinduism, which claims to be the oldest religion, but uh, John Calvin once said or wrote in the Institutes that we are people that are uh, we are people that are religious people. Uh, We are people that were created to want to know um, something about uh, the otherworldly. We're religious, whether or not we worship. The one true God, or something else, and uh, where religions, I think, is a testament to that. The Bible would describe. I think of. I think in the book of James that describes religion as uh, ministering to those who cannot fend for themselves, like the widows and the fatherless, um, and visiting those folks and attending to those. So, religion in the sense of the Bible is a lifestyle of worship it's it's worshipful uh the way the world would describe religions would be something uh i i guess like you would have an object a set of rules something that you might worship uh, but it is not in the sense of you know what we would describe what we would describe as uh, ongoing everyday rightful worship Yeah. So religion to the world is all the different ones that's listed for uh, for a bible believing Christ follower, it is worship and rightful worship, yeah, a
0: lifestyle of worship, mm-hmm. yeah well, you referenced mm-hmm. James there was it say uh, true what's religion. the phraseology true or authentic religion is um, is, is like this It's like this, those who care after the widows and uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of you know given that example of um, faith that produces, um, service and work. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having a religious, uh, um, lifestyle, um, biblically would just, you know, simply mean serving God and serving others. Mm -hmm. Um, and as you said, the world would define religion as all these different belief systems that we're going to kind of cover, um, in these next couple of episodes. Yeah, so technically we would describe
1: Christianity as a religion, <clears throat> and one of the things we're also going to bring out is uh, the common thread that flows through every world religion, um, except for except for Christianity, and that is works based. Every world religion has that common thread. And that's something you always want to decipher at the get go when you're looking at other world religions. Is filter. when when you're reading and when you're studying look for that common thread in every word religion and we talked about this before with like Jehovah's Witness or Mormonism Uh, you know they'll beat down your door you know to talk to you because their salvation in a way is contingent on how many people they go and witness to yeah works yeah so it's works Mm -hmm. and some of those again we'll be calling uh, cults um for the world, a cult might be a, an organization that has a central figure, uh, that is, it might have a weird uh, belief system or something like that. So Jehovah's Witness and Mormon, Mormonism and many others would fit in that. But uh, we would define a cult uh, uh, historically, as far as the church would define a cult, as a religion or a belief system that has a central figure That is has distorted a messiah figure. Yeah. So they so so their central figure is like distorted um, and
0: not you know it might be a a, an imitation Christ. Yeah, like a misrepresentation Mm -hmm. of Christ um, or even a misrepresentation of biblical ideas. um, Mm -hmm. I would consider to be a cult. Um, Anything if if any if if any of the arguments for um, said religion, quote unquote, are um, well, it it it's really the same thing you believe. It's really the same thing, yeah. or it's it comes from the Bible. Um, w- when mm-hmm. it's misrepresenting God, Christ, yeah. His Word, um, that that's when you start um, venturing into that realm right. of, of cult. Right.
1: And some people will say, well, the lines are are blurred. They're gray. No, they're pretty distinctive yeah. in every word religion. Uh, there's Again, that's works-based. So we're going to dive into a few of these today. Uh, before, before we actually uh, jump into them, I'm going to give you a couple of sources that has been helpful for me. Uh, Pastor Jason mentioned one with some of the International Mission Board uh, videos that, um, that have been posted. We'll probably show that in, in a little bit. Uh, but there's also International Mission Board has issued these things called the Bulletin Briefs. Uh, which is one or two pages that kind of outlines, uh, you know, the the world religions and the cults. Uh, two books that has been helpful for me is The Big Five, uh, World Religions, An Introduction to the Big Five by John uh, Dixon. This is a spectator's guide. Um, you always want to look for the publisher, too. Make sure it's not some obscure uh, publisher. Make sure it's got plenty of footnotes. If you're going to study a world religion and it doesn't have footnotes or any type of uh, you know reference points in it, uh, you might as well just go on Wikipedia. And, and uh, another addition would be "Cults and the Occult" by Edmund Gruss. This is PNR um, Publications. Uh, this one is uh, very helpful too. Uh, again, make sure it's got make sure it's got plenty of footnotes and a good bibliography in it. Um, if you're studying on cults and the occult or world religions too. So stick around. We're going to jump into the first cult uh, under examination, and I believe we're going to talk about Jehovah's Witness. Uh, grab a cup of coffee and join us. There are um, many cults in world religions today, and and I want to say the last time I looked, there was at least in even in the realm of, uh, Christianity and things that are closely tied to it the last time I looked there was about 33,000 different denominations and sects that just that's just Christianity alone now that's not including your different cults and world religions and a lot of times a a cult will use language that is very spiritual sound very biblical sounding and uh, they'll try to come into your home and, you know, and they'll, oh, we believe the Bible. And they'll pull out a King James. And yeah, have you considered the Book of Mormon or have you considered, you know, uh, the Watchtower or something like that? They would try to add to it. So they use a lot of language that, you know, will draw you in, especially if you grew up in church and, and uh, would use, try to use language that would try to draw you in. Um, 2 Corinthians 11, verse thirteen fifteen 15 says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed to an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers are transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their work. Now, of course, Paul is ultimately going to be addressing what was known around the time as these super apostles, these people who uh, try to doubt Paul's apostleship and try to make themselves look better. Um, and so Paul would say, well, folks who come uh, in, in this manner are, you know, they're like angels of light and Satan is like uh, an angel of light. He decorates himself with an allure uh, to try to draw people in. And so, that's one thing we got to understand when we're talking about cults. But uh, let's um, let's uh, let's talk about Jehovah's Witness. What is have you ever
0: been have you ever been visited by uh, Jehovah's Witness? Well, if you live in Eastern North Carolina, um, where we do, um, absolutely. And I think uh, really everywhere I've ever lived, I've been <coughs> visited by Jehovah's Witness at least once. Um, and mainly that's north carolina and south carolina Um, i lived in the upstate of south carolina for a good while and uh, we were visited twice um, where i lived Um, i lived in a house with um, about six or seven other uh, ministry students yeah and uh, they they learned after a Visitor to not to not to come to us unless they really wanted to mm-hmm. um, really look into and think about what they were trying to tell us um, because they didn't get to just knock on our door yeah, and, and hand it. us a, mm-hmm. a watchtower and move on like they normally do. i mm-hmm. mean, um, you know very rarely in in the visits that I've had from them have I actually had a conversation even when I try they mm-hmm. want to hand you that watchtower. Um, little magazine and turn around and hit the road to get to the next house Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know i think there's two reasons for that uh i think one is uh you know they're trying to get to as many people as possible because they they have to um they have to get those works as we talked Mm -hmm. about Um, but two there may be some um fear in actually having to defend what they what they believe you know that's just pure speculation from me i'm sure that some of the people who go around and do that know and are well-versed mm-hmm. in their beliefs, but I would venture to say uh, maybe some of them aren't, and they're just mm-hmm. you know, checking those names off for those houses off the yeah. list to get to the next one.
1: Mm-hmm. There's also a sense of, and it's not just with Jehovah's Witness, that if they are persecuted, um, it's a sign of truth. You know, yeah. It's a sign that, hey, we must be doing the right thing. We're being
0: persecuted for it. And they're not necessarily being persecuted, they're just being pressed on their beliefs. Yeah, that's something that's pushed in, in, uh, in, in that group is, is persecution um, and trying to view everything as persecution. Um, we mentioned it before we started recording that um, most of the kingdom halls, which is what they call their yeah. um, place of worship Churches. around here, um, don't have any windows. And uh, one of the reasons for that that they say, is because um, if they had windows, they'd get broken all the time. People with their rocks in them and uh, mm. and would vandalize. Huh. And you know yeah. that's just an illustration of that. They they kind of train and ingrain in their people that you're going to be persecuted, and persecution is actually um, confirming that we, what we believe is true. It's true. Yeah. And uh, and I don't know. You know. I don't know if that's a across the board thing with the windows, but it is around here. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen a Kingdom Hall with with windows around here, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that they say, that, or one of the reasons right. uh, for not having windows. Yeah, and
1: so I I just uh, did a customary kind of just very quick search on uh, Jehovah's Jehovah Witness martyrs. There's, <laughs> I don't think there's very many. Um, there was a persecution where ten thousand were imprisoned and sent to concentration camps, but I believe that this was close to um, World War II. So I, I mean I can't name like we talked yesterday in the sermon about uh, the early church martyr Perpetua and talked about her a little bit so we can name some polycarp uh you know we can we can name some martyrs i can't necessarily name a jehovah's witness martyr who was persecuted so their level of persecution is a little different yeah um and so when what comes to mind i I mean i've had jehovah's witness come to my house when i was living in the parsonage and they didn't connect the two and then they figured out who I was and it never come back, but um Jehovah's Witness, what comes like when you hear that, what comes to mind for you? Hide. <laughs> my, my brother and I yeah. used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were like, lay on the floor, you be quiet, they'll go away. But
0: I I just deceived. Um mm-hmm. I remember as a teen watching this uh this film that that we're going to link, um, that I think it was the North American Mission Board put out. It may have been a collaboration between, mm-hmm. and that that doesn't really matter, but um, it was called In the Name of Jehovah. And um, it had leading people in the Southern Baptists, um, theologians, um, people who had been um, Jehovah Witnesses that were saved out of that mm-hmm. uh, cult. And then it had some interviews with people who were still in um, yeah, Jehovah's yeah. Witness organization and some who were kind of high up in the in the hierarchy, if you will, um, and the whole kind of uh, format of the video was here's what they believe, here's what the Bible says, now here's some strategy, strategies here's, to, to mm-hmm. reach them. And really one of the, uh, the things that uh, really stood out to me was deception uh-huh. um, people just being deceived and we'll talk about this again in the next uh, group that we talk about in, in Mormonism um, mm-hmm. where they use um, language that is similar to what we use but mm-hmm. has a, a vastly different meaning yeah. um, and mm-hmm. and I also think about works-based that's that's mm-hmm. one of the main things I think about um, I, I can Feel very confident that every single uh, listener and every single viewer we have um, has <laughs> probably heard somebody say, if not said themselves, um, if we could only get out and work as hard yeah. as a Jehovah Witness. Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I've probably said that at some time. Um, and you know, when we when you understand where they're coming from, you understand why. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think of works-based salvation um, and deception mm-hmm. or, or them being deceived at least. All right. I
1: remember watching, um, I think it was a, a show on TLC or one of those information, you know, uh, educational television programs on, uh, stories of the ER or something like that. And it was a man that was bitten by a diamondback rattlesnake and they had taken him into the emergency room and in order to somehow, you know, get the venom out of his body, out of his system, they were, you know, they were trying to convince him to have a blood transfusion. And, of course, he was Jehovah's Witness. And they denied their blood, tra- he denied the blood transfusion. And it took them 33 um, different shots of antivenom to actually, you know, to where he was, you know, functional again i guess but uh that's one of the things they believe because they can kind of believe that your the sin would be transferred from one person to another or their this person's corruption would be transferred to another uh to another person so that is uh one of the reasons that you know at least in that sense jehovah's witness can be a dangerous thing too
0: yeah yeah
1: American Red Cross um, statistics said that there are about 100 persons in every 1,000 need transfusion uh, to survive at one time or another. Uh, but this is where, again, it becomes kind of a dangerous thing because there's thousands that have refused transfusions, transfusions and have died because of it. So um, if you think about it, that's more than the Jim Jones episode yeah. over, the, over the ages just denying scientific, you know, scientific fact. Um, so Jehovah's Witness can also be known as the Watchtower uh, Bible and Track Society, uh, International Bible Student Association. Most of us know them as Jehovah's Witness. Uh, the founder, I'm not going to go into a lot of these, um, the main one we need to know about is Charles Taze Russell. He was uh, he he was the, um, if you want to call, founder of Jehovah's Witness and built the uh, Watchtower Association, if you will. And some things to to know about Charles Taze Russell is that he his background was that of. Uh, uh, early Seventh Day Venice, and you'll find that in a lot of cults, you'll find they came from a another religion or another denomination. They weren't finding the answers there that they wanted, and so they ventured out on their own and uh, and started, you know, whatever religion. Same thing with uh, Mormonism with Joseph Smith and Churches of Christ, and so um, for whatever reason, you know, they weren't finding the answers there. But Charles Taze Russell um, was born 1879, died in 1916, and he was the originator of of Jehovah's Witness. And things to know about a cult is, as I mentioned, this, the the central figure person uh, makes it a cult, and their beliefs makes it a cult. Um, but Charles Taze Russell was kind of a weird um, person—not weird, but. Very off the wall beliefs. Yeah. Um, especially about uh, anatomy. And I think he said something to the effect of if, um, what did he say? Um, something about a dog's head. He thought that if a dog's head was shaped like a man's head, that he could think like a man.
0: Yeah. You know, just weird, <laughs> st-
1: weird stuff like, uh, like that. And some people would equate Russell to like a real cheap. Snaky, you know, snake oil salesman type, uh, type of person. Just had really, really weird things um, uh, about him. Uh, so let's. Uh, I, what I want to do now, I, w- I want to talk about just a few of the beliefs because that's really what we want to know um, about Jehovah's Witness. We know about their aggressive visitation plan. <laughs> um, you know, we know. Uh I don't they don't ride bikes here. They they that's the Mormons, but they travel in their you know, cars in groups normally about three. Yes, th- three usually fours, three. Yeah, I've
0: never seen uh never seen one alone. The only time that I encountered a Jehovah Witness alone was actually uh, riding a bus. Mm-hmm. and they weren't out actively uh doing mission work. They did try to give me a watchtower on the bus. Um but uh that's the only time anytime they've actually come out actively trying to do their missions. They there's only usually just one comes to the door, but when you look out at the car, there's two others in mm-hmm. the car. Right. All right. So some of
1: the beliefs about Jehovah's witness, and I think we can speak from experience on a few of these
0: things. Um, what are their? What's their translation? Um, well, it's funny. I don't know if funny's not the right word, maybe sad, uh, you ask that. Um, and this goes back to kind of what we've talked about with the purpose of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually had a church member um, bring me a New World Translation Bible, thinking it was just, you know, another Bible. And they said, this was uh, my cousin's, or I can't remember exactly. Uh, um, it was the family members that um, had moved away, and they found it in the house. And I just think you would like to have it. And I say, like, well, this is the Jehovah Witness Bible. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, this yeah. is the Jehovah Witness Bible, the New World Translation, I believe is what it's called. And, and
1: yeah, I've got one in my office, and it's supposed to be a interlinear Bible uh, that has the Greek and Hebrew,
0: yeah. but it's. Well, here, here's the thing about it. And, and this is, you'll find this in these cults that, that like to use. Um, Christianese, if you will, to um, mm-hmm. really as a, a tool to recruit people out of um, Orthodox uh, denominations, if you will. Um, these translations, quote unquote, are formulated well after uh, the differences in beliefs are um, put down, mm-hmm. or um, you know. Uh, so the Jehovah Witnesses have their belief system. Um and then, long after that they're like well we we need scripture to back this up because the real scripture doesn't Mm-mm. and uh and they're translated um so um and then if you go look at the people on the translation team, if you will um they're, they're the qualifications are little to none mm-hmm. and uh it's 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 real obvious um if you're looking at it from the outside that that it was put together to support mm-hmm. um, heresies that they had already developed in their belief system. Yeah.
1: Probably the most well-known in their Bible is the prologue of John, John 1.1. Yeah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And in that, their version, they add, and the Word was a God in their translation. Of course, that's not in the Greek text at all. Yeah, and and they formulated that to support their belief about the person uh, of Jesus. So what they would believe about Jesus, based off of that, is that um, that he's not eternal. And when I think of Jehovah's Witness, not only do I think of like the blood transfusion thing, but I think of and we talked about it when we were talking about heretics was Arius who said that there was a time when Jesus was not and that's really what they what they would believe about the person of of Jesus is that he was not he's not divine he's not eternal
0: and uh yeah it says in the beginning was the word and the word was a god a god um we had uh, one of the ones who came and visited us in college at the house we lived in um, we specifically we broke out the. Uh, we had a couple guys that were taking uh, Greek at the time, and mm-hmm. we broke, broke it all out. And the guys were like, "Well, I'm not a Bible scholar. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really, really know how to answer that. But you know, I'm not just not a Bible scholar." And really? we were like, "Well, uh, you know, if you're going to be telling other people about theology, you need to know mm-hmm. what you believe, and uh, and really." I don't know that this person had ever even been confronted with that. Mm -hmm. Another one is in the Old Testament, um, they make a big difference, a big differentiate between Mighty God and Almighty God. And some of the, the, uh, I believe it's in Isaiah, um, some of the references to Mighty God and Almighty God, they change um, to to kind of be able to differentiate between um, God the Father and Mm -hmm. Jesus. I'm saying there's a difference one of them's almighty and then one of them's just mighty mm-hmm. and uh, and like I said they, these things were added after um, after people would start to question this belief system uh, when they went to translate their mm-hmm. own their own scriptures right so let's probably talk about one of the
1: most well-known things about their beliefs and and that is this idea that there was only 144,000 people that were going to be, let's say, saved or redeemed or whatever language they they use. Well, at one time, when the population was a little smaller, I guess uh, 144,000. I don't know. Still, then was a little not feasible. But then they changed that to there are 144,000 and then there are others you know that will be witnesses of ab- ab- above and beyond whenever
0: um there is going to be paradise on earth right right and just just kind of talking do you think maybe since uh they originated out of a seventh day adventist background um which was they were real big on predicting the end of the world and where Christ was going to return. As time's gone on and on and on and the world hasn't ended, you have to to really to help your uh, your, belief, your religion survive, you've got to come up with something cause, uh, yeah, keep to keep it going. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's where it came from if the, in the early days of, of the Jehovah Witnesses, well, if right. they thought, you know, uh, well, in 15 years, we're not going to be here. So 144, that'll get us working good. Well,
1: I can certainly see it, though, because a lot of um, Seventh-day Adventist was heavily involved in Judaism, um, food laws, very Jewish in that sense. But if you were to read the book of the Revelation where these 144,000 witnesses come from, each 12,000 from each tribe... Then you can certainly see as a. There very certainly could
0: be a connection. Yeah, and I. To it. Well, I know with the <coughs> Seventh Day Adventist, I did a paper, um, in a world religions class in, in college on the and uh, There were so many different dates that they predicted the world was going to end. Yeah. Um, that it w- it was almost comical. I'm like, well, mm. it's come and gone, so I was wrong, but it's going to be this day. Yeah. And then it gets there, and, well, I was wrong again, but I know it's this time now. And yeah. uh, I'm just kind of curious uh, with the Jehovah Witness coming out of that, if maybe that's where that 144,000 mm. started with. Maybe so. And how I'm, they've moved really past that. Yeah, kinda. it's funny you,
1: you mentioned that in the time stuff. They've predicted... All, I mean, down through the years, and the, the big one that I kind of remember is 1975, and their their big thing was Armageddon is coming. And this is, again, where this can become dangerous. So I mean, the same can happen in the church where people get so enamored with the rapture of the church that they don't want to serve or do anything. When there's a big, you know, the Lord is coming soon, Jesus is going to come and rapture his church, so let's just chill out and wait for it. And that's kind of what, you know, in a, in a more <laughs> um, off-the-wall way, I guess, they were, they were like, Armageddon has come, 1975. You had people who were selling their homes. They were refusing to have any more children. And, you know, who was the guy at that time? It was, uh, during that time, it was Nathan Knorr. Uh, around that time, around the 1975 mark. Now... And there was a a mansion built. I guess it was gonna house all the uh, all the witnesses. You know, a big mansion was built, big house. And uh, who you think ended up living in that house when Armageddon never happened? Well, your Jehovah's <coughs> Witness leader was living in it. But they, I mean they were selling their homes, not having children. They were Armageddon's coming, don't you know it's coming? And the Bible specifically talks about a prophet or a false prophet in Deuteronomy 18. If what that prophet says does not come to pass, do not listen to him or do not fear him. You know, do not weigh what he has to say, you know, being from the voice of, it's not from, the, it's not from God. You know, and so it's, it's funny, I, I, you know, and they have a big track record of this too, just like the seven-day Adventist um did as well, you know what was the lady's name? Uh, white, um, what was her name? They made all the predictions. Went on the yeah. mountainside, dressed in white, waiting for the Lord's return. Jesus didn't return. He said, "Oh, he did. He came back in a spiritual sense." So, re- I just saw this on a podcast, and I cannot remember the uh, name now. I can't remember the name right now. Anyway, we'll we'll probably come up with that once we advance a little bit further on into these cults and and that's one of them again that's that come him coming from Seventh-day Adventists they're uh they're kind of borderline some of the some of the stuff that they adhere to uh I would say yeah but then again no but anyway that might be another topic for another day the Advent, uh, the Seventh-day Adventists but Jehovah's Witness um we're going to wrap up on Jehovah's Witness. what what else could we say about about
0: how do we respond to them? Well, one thing, and this is the case with with every cult and other religion, um, is we, we need to show love. We need to um, be gracious but stand on truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember as uh, like a middle schooler, we had a, a, a substitute teacher who was known to be a Jehovah Witness, and we would almost like troll her. Um, you know, being little uh, little yeah, jerk yeah. middle schoolers um, um, to the point where when somebody would sneeze, we would say, Jesus bless you, because we knew that would get under her skin. And, um, you know, we all kind of had embellished stories of uh, kind of picking at Jehovah Witnesses that came to the door, like sending the dog out the door or something, just mess like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were seventh grade jerks doing that but um, also I know of adults and uh, people who claim to be Christ followers who um, view and approach it the same way and uh, that's certainly no way to um, bring the truth to to these people Um, really that uh, affirms what they're teaching about persecution yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um instead of uh persecuting let's uh, let's try to have real conversations with them um in a loving way to to show the truth of the gospel mm-hmm. um, and i would really encourage um, anyone who if if you're visited by jehovah witnesses on a somewhat regular basis um to look into these videos we're going to link um and Uh, it'll do a real good job of equipping you of knowing how and what to talk about Mm -hmm. uh, when you get the opportunity.
1: Yeah. Another kind of a common thread we'll see is cults generally will isolate their people. You know, they want to, they want to pull away and isolate from really from family. They try to isolate them from their family. If their family isn't involved, they'll pull them away. Uh, But you know, we could we could say, well, you know, they they don't celebrate birthdays and they don't stand for their pledge. You know, all these things. But in a theological level, I'm sure there's reason why they don't do those things, pledging allegiance and that kind of thing. But the point is really, if we if we're going to respond to them, why don't you celebrate your birthday? You know, that I think that's not a, an appropriate r- response. We want to find out what their core beliefs are you know, as far as salvation is concerned. You know, I mean, yeah, it might be intriguing. You know, you guys don't celebrate birthdays or Christmas or Easter because they might say they're pagan holidays. You know, I guess you could, I guess you could, you know, address that a little bit. But to try to think of the person of Christ, you know, and, and to go a little bit deeper than just
0: those Well, yeah, things. and that's really where they're, their main heresy is is how they view Christ mm-hmm. uh, so that's where you need to get to anyway the yeah. other the other stuff uh you know it may come out of of that misunderstanding of christ and and how to relate to God but the the key issue is Christ, and that's yeah. where we have to get to and and not I'm not saying don't worry about those things, but mm-hmm. you're not going to change those things by Right. By pointing out that you don't celebrate right. a birthday, uh, the way you're going to change um, those people is let the Holy Spirit do it when we mm-hmm. share the truth of the gospel. Church of Jesus Christ of
1: Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormons,
0: and uh, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a commercial. Yeah, I on was TV. just I was just about to say. Uh, <laughs> let's start this segment with when is the first time you can remember. Uh, seeing a Church of Latter-day Saints commercial. I remember when it was for me. I don't remember per se, but I remember the
1: commercial was on the birth of Christ. And they spe- they had this commercial. I was like, "Well, that's pretty neat. And then brought to you by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm yeah, like,
0: and at the, the age I was at that time, I had no idea. I just figured that was another church. Yeah, And I think that that's kind of a good way to... Introduce this section on talking on um, the LDS church or the Mormons. Um, I remember um, watching a Cubs game. Um, WGN mm-hmm. uh, was like oh, yeah. their favorite. Harry they, Carey. They had commercials on WGN all the time. Mm-hmm. And the one that I remember, it was a. Um, a real family oriented. There was a dad on a extension ladder working in a gutter and his kids were playing in the yard and uh, different stuff like that. And then build, build family. This Hmm. is brought to you by the church of Jesus Christ of the latter day saints. And the reason I say this is a good way to start this conversation on the Mormons is um, people inside of that church even will tell you, Um, One of their big strategies in recruiting people, um, particularly in the United States, is to sound as close Mm -hmm. to traditional uh, denominations as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, One of their big recruiting tools is to reach people who are disgusted or frustrated with uh, their church or their denomination – and lure them by thinking, "Well, they believe in Jesus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then they got one foot in the door right. and they go from there yeah. yeah they they have a very aggressive
1: um marketing strategy yeah. for one that's how to reach so many uh, you know with that strategy, commercials and uh, publications and um you know, you go into, what is it, the hotels? Is it the Marriott? The,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember that because one of my high school friends had a little phase <laughs> where uh, uh, he wanted to be a, a rap star, and he made just funny rap music on his computer. <laughs> and the the Mormon rap started out with, Yo, yo, I don't drink soda pop, but my church owns the Marriott. <laughs> Yeah, they, right. there are. Uh, they have their foot in a lot of places. I, mm-hmm. I think almost everybody that stayed in a hotel, um, alongside of the, uh, um, the Bible the that Bible. that is left by the Gideons, mm-hmm. um, right. Many of them now have a Book of Mormon, right beside it. Right, and uh, they they definitely have, as you said, um, aggressively campaigned with marketing, um, to mm-hmm. to try to recruit people into their quote-unquote church.
1: Right. Let's do a little bit of background on the uh, Mormons, uh, started by Joseph Smith. We're getting into his story uh, a little bit. April 6th, uh, 1830, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go through a little bit of how he came up with the Book of Mormon and that type thing in just a, just a moment. Uh, as of right now, Russell Nelson is the current leader of the uh, Mormon, the Mormon Church. In the year 2000, there was 11 million uh, Mormons uh, in the world, and as of today, that count has increased to 16, uh, 16 million uh, worldwide. In the year 2000, they had 60,784 missionaries, and as of and as of today, they have 67,000. So that's an increase. Uh, for sure. Uh, so the church is, this particular church is growing. Uh, this cult is is growing. And I often wonder what the appeal is, um, if it's growing and not declining. Uh, and really, the only way I can answer that is the same way I answered it yesterday morning during the sermon. Uh, people want a God that is mystical, uh, or they you know, want to know a little bit more above and beyond. And and for some the book of mormon might be that outlet for them and we'll talk about that in just uh, just
0: a moment yeah and i think uh i think always uh, people falling into cults is um born out of deception mm-hmm. and you know by no means uh isn't it is it an excuse but uh as i said really one of their main strategies in recruiting is to de- recruit uh People who are annoyed or disgruntled with the church, and um, that's something that you know, we talked about this uh, with our students last night um, about how, over the ages, we've all heard the stories of churches having big fights and even splitting mm-hmm. over stuff as dumb as color of the carpet. And you know, when when we have infighting like that over issues that aren't even aren't even in anywhere near the realm of the gospel or anything like that, and and we don't act the way the Lord has um, laid out for Christians to to be, um, and we push people away. I I really think that that is a lot of where the the growth of the Mormon church has come from with the aggressive marketing to make themselves appear to be Mm -hmm. just another denomination that's very wholesome, uh, along with – people uh being disgruntled with uh the dysfunction that's uh sometimes and sadly quite often found in um, in the American church today mm-hmm. right,
1: yeah, and a sense of what where Joseph Smith was coming from was let's uh let's restore the church that kind of that kind of idea which really wasn't restoration at all. Uh, Joseph Smith is quoted by saying, My object in going to inquire of the Lord was to know which of all the sects was right, that I might know which to join. I was answered that I must join none of them, uh, for they were all wrong. And the personage who addressed me said that all their creeds were an abomination in his sight, and those professors were all corrupt that they drew near to me with their lips, but their hearts were far from me. They teach the doctrines of commandments of men, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So as you can see, sprinkling a little bit of biblical language into it. Uh, it doesn't seem to me that he knows who was talking to him, because in one breath he says he inquired of the Lord, and then the next he said that he was... Whoever answered him, whatever personage it was who addressed him, said these things to him. and uh, we'll find this also whenever we see these uh, tablets, golden tablets revealed, supposedly revealed to Joseph Smith. Um, so again, he was on a quest to restore the church and um, that's not a that's not a quest that any one man, when any, any person. Could do yeah in the church there are things that need to be I think recaptured restored um through history you know that's been the case uh, but it isn't necessarily up to one man uh to to do that you think of Martin Luther even Martin Luther would say you know as he led the charge of the Reformation he would never lay claim to any of that it was the it was the Lord who did the work and the Holy Spirit that did the work uh so Joseph Smith, all right, here's the thing about Joseph Smith. He said that an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and the name of this angel was Moroni, and he had supposedly um, gave him the Book of Mormon. And this Book of Mormon was written on these golden tablets at first. They showed him these golden tablets. Now the thing that we said about our Bible is that, you know, just the New Testament alone, you know, lays a claim to upwards towards in the range of fifteen to twenty-four thousand different manuscripts that have been studied.
0: Where is the golden Tablets. How many copies of the golden <laughs> tablets do we have? Yeah, goose egg. Nothing. Yeah,
1: he claimed the angel told him that within the Book of Mormon was the fullness of the true everlasting gospel. I'll never forget. I remember this was when I was I was not a believer. I was kind of still searching, you know, spirituality, if you want to call it that. And I, I remember um, two. Uh, Two guys from the Church of Mormon, elder, I don't remember their names. One elder and a trainee, you know, person who, you know, was kind of like their Padawan. Or <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, do you read the Bible? I said, yeah. He gave me a copy of the King James Bible. And I said, uh, I read through, I went to John, you know, I read. I knew at least that much at the time. And he said, well, there's another gospel. And he gave me, "Would you read this?" And we walked through a few things with it and all that. And uh, then they left. And I kept that. <clears throat> I kept the book. Of, I kept that Bible, the Book of Mormon, for a long time in my in my drawer. But again, it just goes to show you how closely they try to
0: get the language to where, "Oh yeah, that sounds.
1: Oh, that sounds good."
0: Well, yeah. Again, you see, you see that technique uh, he mm-hmm. he put before you first uh, the scripture. Yeah, uh, we read the Bible yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. One of the things that, uh, when really the first time I started looking into uh, what the Mormons believe, that really stood out to me was uh, how they will change their beliefs mm-hmm. to to match. Um, um, I don't know if political correctness is the right word because I don't think they're that quite that far, but. to to match more accepted ideas um, early in their existence um, for the longest time when it really wasn't uh, socially unacceptable to be racist. Mm. Um, They had a really, um, really terrible view on uh, black people um, in in general. Um, They, in their theology, you know, they, they used the the phraseology, uh, and you mentioned this earlier, um, Jesus uh, was once as we are, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of part of their belief Mm -hmm. system is that a good Mormon, a good person, follower of, of God will eventually get to become a God of their own planet, um, and populate their planet with their celestial spouse. That's way out there. Um, but where this idea with black people came, was that there was a, um, kind of a disagreement between Jesus and Lucifer, who were kind of celestial brothers. Brothers. Um, yeah. And the the people who sided with Lucifer um, were uh, the ones who had dark skin. Their dark their dark skin color was a um, punishment, almost, if you will. Um, it says in Brigham Young's Journal of Discourses, volume five, um he says, But let them apostasize and they will become grey haired, wrinkled, and black, mm. just like the devil. No, that's wow. straight out of uh straight out of his his works. And uh that comes from that idea of they're like descendants of Lucifer and you know, more white people were descendants of Jesus. Well, mm when that became started to become uh um not really socially acceptable um all of a sudden their leader just you know completely changed 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 that theology um and there were some other ones in there as well that's the one i remember because that's just such a prevalent thing still in our society um you know as far as race relations and all that but uh, what really stood out to me on that was yeah the craziness of that belief but also the fact that at any given moment, the leader of their um, church can completely change their belief system, completely.
1: Yeah, and other denominations will do that too. And uh, you know, the Catholic Church is known for, they would never say that they would change doctrine, they reform, so they would never admit to changing, um, changing their doctrine. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think it's the Jehovah's Witness. the the Jehovah's Witness. It's funny you mention because I had forgotten this about the Jehovah's Witness, but they would teach that the archangel Michael is Jesus. I think they interrelate the two as to where Jesus and Lucifer were brothers. Yeah, and so it's
0: odd how how how
1: um, they view. You
0: know, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like when you really start to. Look into what these groups believe uh it's way out there. I mean the idea that if we do do a good job here on earth we get to become god mm-hmm. of our own little planet out there somewhere yeah and uh and get to be the the daddy of that planet if you will that's that's just i mean that's that's crazy and yeah. uh I, I don't think i, I would be I wonder how many people would be really surprised to find that out about the Mormons. Um, I know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, I think it's better now than it was 20 years ago uh, when I first started kind of learning about the Mormons. But I know at that time, I, I did, and a lot of you know my friends and different people that I went to church with would really just look at the Mormons of maybe a little bit stricter yeah. denomination of Christianity. Yeah. You know, they don't drink coffee and... Uh, so they would never, you know, have a podcast like this. Um, they would they say they're Christian. Yeah. They're they, Christian. They don't drink coffee, they don't uh you know, do yeah. do different things uh that are more indulgent. Uh they you know, they're they're almost like the it's like taking the vow of the Nazarene or something, you know, they just um uh, self yeah. denying themselves of something to serve mm-hmm. God, but they're mm-hmm. Christians. That's kind of how I viewed it as, until I really started looking into it, and it didn't take long to to see. Well, this is not yeah. this That's is not Christianity at
1: all. Right? Yeah. You know, we talked a little bit about about Jesus, and they would say that that Jesus was divine. But so we all, all are. Yeah, they all they,
0: they would say he became
1: divine. Became divine, and so could yeah. we. Yeah. It's almost it's almost sounds like the prosperity well prosperity gospel, little gods theory. Yeah. You know, we can become little gods. So let's talk about some key um teaching, what they think about God. Well, number one, they would reject the Trinity. I'm not exactly sure how they believe when a person dies and what happens to them. I know Jehovah's Witness historically believe in what is called annihilationism, that as you're thrown into I like a fire or whatever. You cease to exist altogether. I'm not exactly sure what a person would believe if they were to die and not be a Mormon or whatever.
0: Um, I can't remember if they believe in a hell or not, but I do remember that they have uh, um, really like a, a ministry, if you will, quote-unquote ministry of people that pray over obituaries. Um, because they believe that you can pray people into a lower level of mm-hmm. of hmm. uh, the afterlife. Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. They, so they, uh, you know, uh, if when when you have a family member that dies, um, probably somewhere there's a Mormon who's gotten a hold of that obituary that prayed for that person so that they're not. Mm. I don't know if it's annihilation like the Jehovah nah, Witnesses, but. Yeah. Um, I re- I do remember reading that about them that, they believe that if you never became a Mormon, you can still be prayed into the afterlife. Right.
1: Yeah, so they, they would reject the Trinity altogether. Um, they would, of course, we we know that uh, the three persons of the Godhead are viewed as separate and distinct. God and the Father, uh, God the Father has a physical body, and the Holy Spirit is a is a personage of of the spirit and they would say that joseph uh joseph smith said god want god himself was once as we are now you mentioned that earlier and now an exalted man and sit and sits enthroned in heaven and yonder heaven he was once a man like us and there is a plurality of gods so not only uh, is mormonism you know uh, heresy and a cult but it is also um, it is also um polytheistic they have other plurality of gods and what they think about man is um before man inhabited the earth they existed as spirits man was created in the physical image of god well we know that man was created in the image of god but um I guess they have a sense that mankind has, I don't know, always existed in some way, in some form. I don't know. Do they pull from some spiritual uh, pool to make, I don't know. Sounds kind of odd. The Garden of Eden was located in Independence, Missouri. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay, let's just put our finger on the map. Boom. Boom. There's the Garden of Eden was there. Um, the fall accomplished good, and they would believe that uh, sin, original sin, or uh, we would certainly say depravity of man uh, is rejected. As we would say, man is totally depraved, deprived, um, and sinful, they would reject that. One of the things that people often think about is You know, with the person of Jesus, uh, that he became divine when this virgin birth is rejected and he's not begotten of the Holy Spirit. So he becomes divine as we also become divine. But here's uh, one of the things that kind of Mormons are known for, and that is their stance on polygamy.
0: (laughs) And, you know, I think that's one too that. They've have they changed that somewhat over the years? Um no, they still
1: practice it though. I know they still practice. Okay. They may have it may
0: be reformed in some way or changed, but I do know they still Well um, and you know that lines up with the uh, uh where that comes from is you're gonna populate your planet with all your wives. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's really where that um the polygamy comes from okay. is the more wives you have the the better planet you're going to get it's really out
1: there yeah so so think about the we were talking about the atonement and uh, so they would believe that christ's death is acts more in a universal way that because of his death all people are guaranteed to be resurrected, but then salvation is only acquired by how much this person Believes in the Book
0: of Mormon or what the Mormons yeah. teach. So I have a question. Uh, what was the the name of the town where the Garden of Eden was again? Uh, was somewhere in Missouri, you say? Independence, Missouri. So how do they deal with Genesis two uh, between you know, they, the they, rivers? They, yeah, they hold to the, the King James being the the translation. And the Euphrates River is right there, and and well, maybe they were using the Cotton Patch version. Maybe there's a Euphrates <laughs> River in uh, in Missouri. Between, would, yeah. yeah, the Tigris and Euphrates. Yeah. yeah. Well, I right mean, there? in in Genesis two fourteen, it specifically says it, it references the Euphrates. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, that's that's right there in the word. Yeah, I don't,
1: I don't know how to get around that. Missouri. It's just, again, yeah. you know, some out there teaching.
0: All
1: right. um, what they would also say is the doctrine of the blood atonement, that's kind of, we've been talking about the atonement, so it's appropriate. It, uh, it says that there are some serious sins, i quote, there are some serious sins for which the cleansing blood of Jesus does not operate. And the law of God is that men must have their own blood shed to atone for their sins. <laughs> That's just straight heretical. Yeah, very very heretical. Yeah, that very heretical. Uh, and again, works-based.
0: Works-based. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, you know, we talk about cults um, having a kind of corrupted central figure. Who would that be? With the Mormons, would that just be the complete misunderstanding of who Jesus is, or would that be their uh, their leader? Uh, it's a miss, a little bit of both.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, again that misconstrued vision of Jesus. You, you distort it, it becomes a cult. But not only that, Joseph. I think yeah, I think Joseph Smith become that. You know.
0: Well, how about in the modern day? I mean, they, they have their they have their other guy. Uh, um. It's kind of kind of acts like their pope almost. Um, he, you know, and the reason they say that this person can completely change what they believe is he has a direct connection link, if you will, mm-hmm. with God. Mm-hmm. Um, so God can change things, and you know that's that's a that's a big difference of uh, the God of uh, the Mormons and the God of the Bible uh the bible is clear that god is unchanging uh and hmm. um but according to them he yeah, became, like, he was a man and became yeah well and they can and that's how they changed their beliefs <clears throat> um you know how they became accepting of um the black uh race is their if you will pope i can't i can't remember what they call him but he came out and said he had a vision from god the prophet um that may be it may be Prophet, probably a, yeah just, he said he had a vision from god and that uh god. what they had said before was not actually in fact true but now god had cleared it up for him and uh that uh black people were just the same as everybody else mm-hmm. um but it was you know of course that happened when it started they started catching heat for their uh yeah for their racist uh Viewpoint. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's a lot that can be said about Mormon. Um, you know their doctrine, their articles, as the Pearl of Great Wisdom, their publications that they use, um, Book of Mormon, obviously. But how do we respond to? Again, it goes back to clearing the muddied water on who Jesus is. And that's always the response. And uh that when we we worked through this uh world religions as a as a small group one evening here at the church, and that was one of the things and almost every response was you've got to clear the muddiness around Jesus. You know, you know, clear up who he is and respond in the you know um, lovingly and
0: biblical way yeah, and you have, you really have to know how to explain the basics of, of Orthodox belief, because when you start using words like atonement and salvation and and these basic uh, vocabulary words that we have um, in the Christian faith, if you will um, they will say, "Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that. Mm-hmm. I believe that." But uh, it's what they believe in those words is vastly different. So you need we we mm-hmm. do need to be able to unpack those things. Yeah. Um, you know, when you talk about atonement is through um, Christ alone, but not just through Christ alone. But um, how you, you got to go to John one and talk about how He is was He's you know, eternal. He's eternal. He, he was involved in, He you know He created. Um, he became man, but still God. Uh, mm-hmm. He live without sin. Just you know, you have to you have to go through the full the fullness of the gospel yeah, right. and the exclusive exclusivity of the gospel mm-hmm. um, and just be very, very clear. Because if you just use uh, yeah. uh Christian words or words of Zion, I've heard them called, or Christianese, um, they're gonna agree with you on those words, but you have to be very clear in what mm-hmm. you mean by that
1: yeah and I mean you have to know what they
0: believe, yeah you know that's you have to know their core doctrines so again, for that uh because we we just can't we can't really i mean we could, but we'd we'd have to have a couple of podcasts on each one um we'll link um some some resources um for each one of these that we talk about uh for this week, it'll be the Jehovah Witnesses mm-hmm. and the Mormons. Um, but we'll link some resources for further, um, study. Um, you know, if, uh, if you, um, you have people in your life that are in any of these things we cover, um, I would, would, uh, encourage you to do further study, um, and to be yeah. well prepared to be able to do what we're called to do as believers and that share the truth right. of Jesus.
1: All right, well, we're going to have a cup of coffee here in a moment. I reckon this is a mystery blend, but uh, before we do that, I, I did want to share um, with our listeners one thing that uh, that I just I really just thought of this, and uh, there was a member in in our in our church here, and they had a person that was really entrenched with uh, the Jehovah's Witness. And this member came to me and was concerned about her friend, you know, and wanted her to get out of it. And she came in the office and asked for a few tools that, that I might be able to offer her that she could share with her her friend. And uh, there's a couple of different resources I gave to her. One was the bulletin brief. And I'll see if I can't find the link to those uh, specific ones. And another one is... Um, David Legg, I believe his name is L E G G. He's the pastor of Iron Hall Church in Ireland. He has a series on this website called PreachTheWord dot com. Simple, and under that heading is the Strongholds of Satan. He did a whole series on them, and there's transcripts to those that you can print off or listen to it. And so I printed off the transcript, burned a CD gave it to our member, she sent it off to her friend, her friend listened to it, and was convicted and saved and totally you know of course renounced the whole jehovah's witness movement
0: and so the God, the gospel you know, and that's the thing man it's like it can when when we focus on ourselves mm-hmm. it can be intimidating you know yeah. we we see these people who the Jehovah Witnesses who are knocking on our door all the time. Mm-hmm. We see the Mormons who, for two years, when they graduate high school, are pretty much required to go on a mission trip. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if they two don't, yeah. If they don't, um, they're really kind of considered the black sheep, if you will, of their. Yeah. Uh, we we see these people mm-hmm. who are really just trained and sent and seem passionate, and it can be scary when we think about. I'm not equipped to. I'm not a good debater, or I'm not good at, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're going to throw all this at me, and I don't know how to answer. And it's like we talked about a couple weeks ago um, when we talked about Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. He does the work. He calls us to be prepared and to be obedient. But ultimately, the gospel and the word of God Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit are going to convict hearts. And we are just called to, to... to share that, mm-hmm. and you know that's like you said that's what happened with with this person. Um, it wasn't necessarily any persuading on our part or on our friend's part, but mm-hmm. it was the gospel, the truth of the yeah. gospel that did it, um, and just her being obedient uh, mm-hmm. to to do what she could do right um, you know she made herself available and obedient, and then God did the work right
1: and, and that's, that's the
0: case with all right. of
1: it there's a there's a member at you know here at the church who came out of mormonism came out of the mormon church that in that way uh and so in closing, we must pray, ask for the leadership of the Holy Spirit and be loving
0: and be patient, know your stuff, you
1: know know what they believe,
0: yeah, and that's big too being patient um mm-hmm. we've talked about before you know different theological ideas where we've changed on over the years um mm-hmm. and that stuff doesn't happen overnight um and you know when it comes from you know being in a a cult and being lost that can happen overnight but usually if somebody is struggling is with, deep yes, entrenched yeah. in in mm-hmm. a belief it it's, it's going to take time and uh and being patient But standing on the truth Mm -hmm. um, is imperative. All right. right, Well, let's uh, have a little coffee. What are we doing? Well, uh, we're going to do a mystery roast. Uh, A while back, Pastor Larry brought a mystery roast. We wanted to see uh, if the vacuum siphon could make... (laughs) some of the lowest quality coffee good and we're going to kind of continue that today i really don't know what to expect Uh, i picked this coffee up um, about a week ago uh really almost two weeks ago now um me and my wife were on a date night and i thought i had remembered seeing a whole bean coffee in this particular store where you wouldn't think good coffee would come from and i picked it up but it smells really good so we might be surprised and we'll reveal what it is Mm. after we Okay. We drink it, so we're going to do it in the vacuum siphon, and we'll film the brewing, and then we'll film us trying it and kind of give a, a on the spot review. Yeah, yeah. and uh, then I'll reveal what it is. Okay, so, sounds good. So stick around; we're going to get that put together, and uh, and we'll review this mystery bean. So uh, this we've done this brewing method a lot on uh, the podcast here. and uh, this is kind of the go to if uh if you want to really maximize um the quality of your cup uh this particular bean today is a colombian bean um, The roast looks good as you can see here uh, on the um the little bit I have here on the plate and uh, it smells good. It smells all right. It smelled really good squeezing the bag. And when I cracked the bag open just a moment ago, it wasn't quite as good as it, it was you know, coming out of a freshly squeezed bag. But uh, one, one thing about this bean where I bought it from, and I'll reveal that at the end, uh, this place obviously does not sell very much coffee um, because they did not have a price on it. They couldn't find the price. They weren't going to sell it to me because they didn't know what to charge. And we happened to find one bag kind of in the back of where, where they were back behind all the other ones that had a price on it. So, uh, I ended up, I was glad I ended up getting it cause I really wanted it for the, this mystery bean and I have uh cautious Optimistic feelings about this based off of the smell. So uh we shall see. We shall see. All well, right, so let's uh let's taste. Yeah, we're here with a little mess as you saw there. Uh but we'll see how it tastes. Not bad. It's not bad. It does have a little staleness to it, but yeah. it's it's still better than the food line. Which was the first mystery? Yeah, it doesn't taste like an ashtray. I'll probably finish this bag. That's not bad. Yeah, and
1: if you like cream and sugar, it certainly would go well with that. Maybe even a pour over, uh, like a uh, like if you want to do a cold brew. You'd probably be okay with a cold brew.
0: This is pretty good. Yeah, I mean it's it's not. Uh, it's not fresh roasted by no means, but, but you can is. definitely
1: tell it's Colombian, yeah, or something like that. Um, the region it doesn't have a fruit, any fruity notes or anything like that. So you definitely, it's not exotic. Like I don't know if I would consider Ethiopian exotic, but that would be certainly yeah. premium. Hmm. This was eight dollars. I would, For I would the, drink that in you know in a pinch. I would yeah. drink that.
0: This is, was $8 at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> and it's the 7-Eleven brand. So seven eleven.
1: Uh, I yeah. don't remember the last time I seen a Seven Eleven In
0: Elizabeth City. Uh, right there at the Walmart. What is
1: it? Um, it's a medium. A it's, medium. Yes.
0: Uh, 7-Eleven, regular, exclusive, blend, whole bean coffee, uh, medium roast, uh, Colombian I think it says Columbia, it says it on there somewhere.
1: Does have a bit of a, a yeah. little of an after, aftertaste? Yeah, like the uh, the Kenyan that I roasted had a bit of a what they they called it a, a Coke Coca Cola aftertaste um, tone. You know what?
0: Well, uh, I I'm said. A, I said it was sorry to interrupt. I said it was Colombian, but this is an a blend. This is an exclusive exclusive blend. The one I had in my hand that was uh, that had no price on it was Colombian. Mm-hmm. So this is probably has some Colombian as well as who but knows? Maybe like a Dunkin' yeah. Donuts. It's, maybe it's very similar. It's not bad. It's do better than K cups. <laughs> it does. It kind of has that little bit of like a donut type. Donut shop. Yeah. They're not bad, yeah. though. I definitely... I mean, was it, probably... A vacuum... Yeah. Cypher probably helped it. I, I will definitely, uh, over time, drink from this, this. I'd probably
1: give this probably uh, about two and a half, three, yeah. right in the middle, yeah. middle.
0: Um, yeah, same for me. Meets expectations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not... Uh. Not... We We've had a couple of these roasts that uh once we ground it up and roasted it or brewed it here on the podcast we never went back to the to the bean but mm, uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um this one i'll go back to right and, uh but but like you said it's definitely not a premium bean mm-hmm. but it's not bad no i'd give it a two and a half Yeah, yep. middle of the road
1: All Right, certainly um you know, I'd, I'd probably go, I would go back to if I had that bag in the office and um, I didn't have any, you know, anything I roasted there, I would, I would certainly drink on that. So Good deal. Do we want to end it. Yeah, might as well. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to caffeinated theology episode number seven. Uh, this is kind of our little side venture on world religions. Uh, Next week, we'll have special guest uh, Casey Short with us. Uh, Casey's been on the podcast before, and uh, we will be examining the world religion of Islam and uh, hopefully also Hinduism as well. Those are going to be what we consider to be in the top five, the big five, if you will, of world world religions, and uh, we'll dive into those next week. Hope you'll join us. Uh, Until then, may God bless you.
0: Thank you for joining us, and we hope today's discussion has encouraged and challenged you. Please join us again next week as we discuss biblical truths over a fine cup of coffee.